Welcome to Family Owned, a legacy leadership podcast exploring generational leadership success for family businesses. Brought to you by the Ole Miss Center for Innovation and Entrepreneurship. If you're ready to take your family owned business to new and perpetual heights, stay tuned to hear compelling insight from experienced business leaders who will help you set your business up for generational advancement. Whether you want to go public, stay private, or make international inroads. Now, keep listening for how to leave an enduring legacy through exceptional leadership. Hello, I'm Dr. Clay Dibrell. I'm a professor of uh, management and entrepreneurship at the University of Mississippi, and also the co-director for the Center for Innovation and Entrepreneurship here. And one of the, the great things I get a chance to do are these podcasts and getting to speak to real interesting people, such as our two guests today, uh, Dudley Woolley and Jordan Bryan at Ross & Yerker. Dudley is the CEO and COO, and Jordan is a vice president. And so, first of all, welcome to both of you. Thank, Thank you, you very much. Glad to be here. And kind of getting rolling. So, Ross & Yerger, uh, just give us a, uh, Dudley, can you give us a, just a real brief background on Ross & Yerger? Yes, we're uh, we're based in Jackson. We're a uh, independent, employee-owned commercial insurance agency. We sell commercial insurance, employee benefits, and personal insurance. Excellent. I was going to say, so one of the things I was amazed by when, when we were preparing for this uh, podcast is how little I knew about the insurance, even though I know we have a great uh, risk management insurance here at the University of Mississippi, which I know, Dudley, you're a part of, and, and thank you for that. Uh, Absolutely. But, there's so many different aspects. And so as a, someone who teaches entrepreneurship as well as looks at family businesses quite a bit, it's amazing how many people don't know about what insurance they need or if they're overinsured or underinsured or whatever it is. And so thank you both for being here for that. Yeah, absolutely. And to get us started here, uh, briefly differentiate between a family business and a family office, because many people do not have an under, really understand the difference between an office versus a business. Yeah, uh, and that is a good question because the, the terminology often gets interchanged, but essentially a family business is a business of any kind that just simply happens to be run and managed by multi-generations, right? Uh, first generation, second generation, or, uh, several generations that happen to be a family, unlike normal businesses just happen to be managed and operated by individuals that are not related. A family office on the other hand, is something completely different um, that is more of a third-party office that helps manage families. Uh, and, and there are lots of different types of family offices. I feel like it's kind of a, a broad term that people slap on a lot of different things. Um, but family offices, none of them are alike. They're very different, and they operate. They can manage you know, accounting, reporting. They can help with philanthropic endeavors. They can help manage insurance. But it's usually a third-party office manager that manages all of those endeavors for a large, oftentimes a high-net-worth family. Doesn't have anything to do with the business that is run, but it's more managing the family and all of the intertwinings of a family and the family office. So, but they look and feel very different and operate very differently across the globe. Okay, excellent. And Jordan, quick follow up on that. So, one of the things about a family office versus family businesses, I'm assuming also that for family office that you would also work with them, for, but maybe for more from an insurance needs for the family versus the business. Or, Correct. Or could it, Absolutely. Or could it, okay. Yep. Excellent. Uh, under what circumstances is life insurance on key persons critically important? Because uh, this whole a key person insurance is really unusual, a little bit different. 
Yeah. And, you know, you can buy life insurance for lots of different reasons, right? There's tons of different types of life insurance that you can purchase, not only for individual and for family reasons, but also for business reasons. And and one important aspect of key man in particular and why businesses need to be aware and, and know about key man insurance is if you have an employee, whether it's the owner, a key executive, a key salesperson that really helps run the profit to a business and something were to happen to that individual, you want to make sure that you have um, kind of a, a backup plan. If something were to happen, if you were to incur a financial burden as a result of the loss of that person, a key man life insurance policy provides proceeds to help keep the business afloat maybe find a replacement, hire a search firm to get that key person replaced. You don't just snap your fingers and do that in a day. And oftentimes you need, you know, a bucket of money to help make that happen. So that's where key man is very important to a business to keep, keep things moving smoothly. Yeah. And also I know it it helps with the succession in terms of the other equity owners there too, in terms of understanding what that looks like, whether it's public or private in terms of setting a plan forward. Mm -hmm. And that kind of leads to uh, what cover options are there? So we, we talk about family business and the family business versus say a, a, a traditional business or regular or non-family business. Are there any differences there in terms of insurance needs for those? Yeah, that's a good question, Clay. Uh, there's really not. I mean, it, it, it uh, it's very similar in terms of the exposures, whether it's a family run and owned business versus one that's not. Uh, the the businesses we the, the in types of insurance that we typically talk about with any business kind of starts with your general and professional liability exposures, uh, umbrella and excess liability, auto, property, workers comp, executive liability, which includes a, a host of things, including directors and officers, employment practices, and fiduciary liability. And then there's a type of coverage called cyber liability that's relatively new to the industry that many business owners uh, are are interested in to understand how it might help them. And then lastly, crime and employee dishonesty is an important coverage, too. But uh, there are other specialty coverages that, that may be recommended depending on what the business does, again, whether it's family owned and run or if it's if it's uh, not either way. And Dudley, following up on that, you, you mentioned several different uh, insurance types, some of which I do not, I don't know from my side. Could you explain a little bit more about, say, executive liability and such as uh, fiduci- and fiduciary and those types? Yeah. Ex- when we talk about executive liability, really, there, there are three primary coverages included there. Uh, directors and officers liability coverage protects the assets of the individual directors and officers and their role as uh, making decisions uh, for the business. Um, you can be sued by a host of different p- third parties, but oftentimes it may be a competitor. It could be an employee. Uh, uh, it could be the government. Uh, and so the individual directors and officers need liability protection for decisions that they have made accordingly or have not made even. Uh, secondly, employment practices liability protects the employer When an employee sues them for things like wrongful termination, discrimination, whether it's age, gender, race, or harassment in the workplace, which is very common. You hear about that uh, too often these days. And then lastly, fiduciary liability protects uh, the individuals and the organization uh, from their fiduciary role when they offer employee benefits, in particular when there's a 401k or a 403b plan in place. Those individuals need 
protection for their role as a fiduciary of those plans that are offered. Excellent. So once again, you're just trying to cover all the different potential problems that could emerge and that often do emerge, I should say. Very yeah. good. Family-owned businesses account for 64% of the U.S. gross domestic product, generate 62% of the country's employment, and account for 78% of all new job creation. For more information on becoming a part of the Legacy Leadership Program, visit our website at olemiss.edu slash CIE. The Legacy Leadership Podcast is sponsored by the Ergon Foundation, Do Good Work, and the CELO Agency, Creative Vision, the ability to see what is and what can be. We are here today with Dudley Woolley and Jordan Bryan from Ross and Yerger. And following up on the key person insurance, um, how much, and well, actually, let me take a slightly different angle. Help me out here with in terms of um, why is key person insurance so critically important, especially like in relationships, some kind of uh, the buy-sell agreements. And how does this relate to life insurance or are they two different things completely? No, they're they're definitely related. I mean, you could I mentioned earlier you can buy you can buy life insurance for anything. You can buy them for families, you can buy them for the business. Um, we talked about key man, but buy sell is completely different. And and the point in buy sell is to provide a bucket of money if one of the partners uh passes away, that it allows the other partners to be able to buy out that partner so that you're not going into business with the um the family members of that partner, if that was not the intended intent. So it is a very important mechanism. It is different from key man. Um, determining how much is often a question that we get, right? How much do we need uh, for, for key man or for just general life insurance? And there's lots of different ways you can look at that. This is where we wish we had like a magic crystal ball that said, you know, an exact amount that to the penny everybody should purchase. Um, but there's lots of variables to consider, you know, for key man in particular, it's the monetary value that that person provides to the business. If something were to happen to them, what would the business suffer? And that is where you should start looking from a replacement for for buying insurance for key man. Um, you know, you you do some rating, you'll hear some people say eight to 10 times their annual salary, but that's just kind of a blanket vanilla statement that doesn't necessarily take into consideration all the the things that you have to consider when you're buying life insurance. And if you're buying it personally, you know, you hear that, that you should buy eight to 10 times your, your salary, but there's other things like taxes, estate issues. Do you want to leave behind a legacy or a, a you know, a contribution to a, a nonprofit or leaving money to, um, you know, family and children? Um, do you have outstanding debt, loans? There's lots of factors that go into buying life insurance. So it's not just a quick, easy number that you that you come up with. There's a lot of different people that need to be a part of that discussion to come up with the right number. That's excellent. And so, and to that point, and along those lines, because I know insurance isn't free, what are some of the cost drivers for uh, business insurance coverage? Uh, lots of drivers, <laughs> you know, there's... <laughs> And uh, it really, you know, first and foremost, the type of business you're in is going to drive your premium from a from a from the get go, right? If you're um, an accounting office versus a retail shop versus a window washer versus a contractor, all of those carry different rating bases based off the exposure of the business. Um, how many assets do you own? Do you have one building, or do you own, you know, offices across the continental United States that you need to insure? Where is your business located? Are you in Mississippi? 
or are you in Florida? Or are you in Hawaii? There's lots of different rating factors based off of the geographic location of your business as well that drives a lot of the property rates. Um, but, you know, what are the big things that consistently across the board, no matter what business you're in, that is going to drive the cost of insurance is claims activity. The statistically, and this is both for personal, if it's your home and your auto or for your business, if you have more claims, you're going to see more premium in your insurance portfolio. Um, you know, some claims you can prevent and some claims you cannot. We, we haven't quite figured out how to prevent hurricanes and tornadoes and, you know, wind activity. But from a business standpoint, there are things that you can do from a risk management standpoint um, that really reduce the risk that can help reduce the likelihood of claims and control some costs from that standpoint. Um, but there's lots of things from rate changes, underwriting considerations, where you're located. There's so many things that go into that that really can drive the premium from any number of ways. And so, I mean, with, with, except without having to file claims, obviously, because I agree with you there completely. Uh, what about the higher deductibles and or a co-insurance? How would that keep kind of keep costs down? Yep. And that's one of the the conversations we're having a lot with with clients now because the market is really in a tough spot. We've seen a lot of rates increasing. Um, underwriters are being a lot more nitpicky and we're seeing a lot more um, restrictions on coverage. And so with the one thing that we can control as consumers of insurance is we can control our deductibles. If we are willing to self-insure more in a claim situation, the cost of your insurance should go down. Um, sometimes that moves the needle a little bit, and sometimes that moves the needle a lot a bit. But you've got to be able to make sure that you're comfortable, obviously, being out of pocket a little bit more in a claim situation. Uh, but that is a way that you can control your metrics. Um, you know, we we can't control the the property values and the construction costs are what they are, but we can control what we're willing to take from an out-of-pocket standpoint on that side. Jordan, you mentioned uh, self-insured. Could you explain that a little bit more to me and yeah. the audience? Yeah. So self-insurance is when you decide I'm not going to purchase an insurance policy uh, and I'm going to be just self-insuring that if something happens to that, I'm paying for it. There are some things that are easier to self-insure than others. Uh, liability is is not a, a place that we recommend self-insuring. You can't control and have any insight into the cost of a lawsuit. If somebody is injured or hurt for whether it's a car accident or at a place of a business, that is not somewhere we recommend typically self-insuring from a complete standpoint. Now you can increase your out-of-pockets, um, but from a property standpoint, if I've got a home and I don't have a mortgage and I'm comfortable just saying, if that house burns down, I'm on the hook for that, then that's called self-insurance. I'm just going to choose to not carry an insurance policy from a property standpoint and just be out of pocket on paying for that myself. Dudley, you may have some more insight from yeah, self-insurance on the business. Believe it or not, you know, even in like Florida, for example, coastal properties, the cost of insurance and the requirements associated with it have gotten so difficult and so expensive that we really do have clients that consider self-insuring the actual property itself in mm -hmm. some instances. So it can be done. Um, or even self-insuring certain exposures like just hurricanes. You know, I want property coverage if somebody slips, falls, and if it burns down or a water leak, but hurricane, I'm going to self-insure that because I'm taking the risk and being out of pocket. We're seeing a lot of that in Florida. So with the exception of liability, there seems to be a little bit more flexibility with uh, in terms of lowering your costs through self-insurance and kind of rolling the die on that way right there. 
Mm-hmm. That's right. And depending on the size of the business, too, there there are also captive insurance arrangements, which is probably a whole nother podcast worth of information. But uh, you can get in and, and take really, really large deductibles and pool with other like minded businesses to hedge against, you know, the, the financial impact of, of claims going forward. So lots of different ways to to attack the, the challenge of increasing premiums in the industry. I would like to thank both Dudley and Jordan for today for being here. And uh, fortunately, we're going to have another podcast here on the back half where we talk a little bit more here on captive insurance. Thank you and have a great week. Thank you for listening to this edition of Family Owned, a legacy leadership podcast, exploring family businesses who make up the backbone of the American economy. Join us next time to gain invaluable insight into your family business and how to make generational advancements for your family industry, and community.